universities. This is a, a time when uh, students, certainly third-year students, are getting to the end and thinking about their final uh, programs, their final uh, coursework and uh, re- um, exams and results, etc. Um, and we're trying to work out a way which will support both our program leads in making sure that we can do the best for them, but also for our students. I know that from the work I was doing today is that um, third-year students are being um, looked upon as going into uh, the NHS hospitals um, and actually working as podiatrists in those um, trusts um, because of their uh, they're almost finished their their program, but they're also um, you know have got the skills and the ability to to work um, uh, as a a podiatrist within the NHS. It's caused a great deal of concern for for the students who who often thought that by by October time this year, they will have qualified, they will be going into full-time roles, et cetera. And I I still think that there's a lot of work needing to be done in this this country to make sure that whatever we do, um, it's about supporting our students through the next phase. Um, what we don't want to be seen is that our students are going in almost as cheap labour somehow and not having uh, the support that they need in the final um, year of, uh, of their uh, programme. Um, and we've got to make sure that, that doesn't happen. But uh, it's, um, it's, I think, uh, a real issue for us now and one that certainly the College of Podiatry, Matt Fitzpatrick and the Clinical Senate, really working with the programme leads to make sure that we can support them and the students going through this, students across the across the the um, the world are, are struggling to know now what's what's going to happen. And podiatrists is obviously just one of those. But I think that um, that that we will be a bit clearer over the next few weeks with the work of the Council of Deans as well to help us to think about what that will really look like. But all I know for now is that there are a number of people who are um, students who are going in, especially third year students who are actually going in to help out with the, um, the uh, virus in these um, hospitals. But we've got to be clear, clear that they've got the right supervision and mentorship to be able to complete their, their programs and not, as I said, being seen as an extra pair of hands just because um, they're almost finished their, their, their courses. So I, I can't give you a definite answer right now because I think there's a lot more work needing to be done. But I think watch this space and see what we do and what comes out of it over the next few weeks. Um, yeah, look, from our, our perspective, I'll be relatively brief with this one, Ian. Um, look, what the, the feedback that we're getting from a number of, uh, of the universities is essentially a shutdown of the, um, of the placement programs. It's difficult at the best of time to get placements for, for students, particularly in private practice and um, uh, other institutions. But um, we're finding that completely diminished and... Uh, you know the 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 expectation I would presume, and I, again I can't confirm this because I don't have uh, that closer contact with some of the universities, but um, the expectation would be that there is just an attempt to shift um, and rejuggle the program uh, in the or well, the university programs as it as it stands. Um, there's obviously a fair bit of work that is done online anyway. Uh, and most of the universities have adapted to that, but uh, it's the placement and the the, the hands-on skills and the soft skills that they would be gaining through clinics, 
and that is university clinics as well, um, have effectively been um, diminished through uh, just a, a lack of uh, a lack of capacity and a, and just a complete change in in the, the circumstances in uh, with regard to social isolating and so forth. Yeah, thanks, Nello. Look, just uh, a lot of comments and questions being being made, but just a huge shout out to Matthew and Emma who are actually answering a lot of them, so we don't have to actually bring them into the live comments. But there is one question here that's probably worth of discussion. Um, it's from Aaron Bryce. Hey, Aaron. Um, and, and Aaron's asked with a lot of podiatry. Actually, for those in the UK, Aaron's here in Australia. Um, with a lot of podiatry practices closing, which is fine, should we be obligated or responsible to d- advise in direct clients to other clinics who are remaining open rather than just simply say, see, see you when we reopen. Now, if, yeah. I mean, I'll, let me try and answer it from my perspective. I just think there'd be really bad practice management to not keep in touch with those people on a, on a very regular basis and tell them how you're going about when yeah. you're re- reopening and those sorts of things. But um, I don't yeah. know, Nello and Steve, if you want to respond to yeah. that, that responsibility. Yeah, I'm happy to, to jump in on that one, Craig. So, um, the the other part of this is yes, it is good practice. Um, and from a um, in fact, I think if uh, individuals, I think we might have even issued a statement uh, a few days ago, or about a week ago. Feels like a few days. Um, uh, we would have issued a statement a few days ago about uh, the obligation that individuals have in accord with the code of practice that is part of their registration um, to make sure that. Uh, that patients are either referred um, or they're in fact um, uh, there is communication with alternative practitioners uh, rather than what would appear to be the case in some instances that uh, there's a sign on the door saying um, you know you can call me if there's a problem or the, or just that the practice won't be open for the next whatever number of uh, the period um, so there is an obligation under the under the code of uh, code of conduct I think it is from the from APRA uh, to make sure that that patients are continued continued to be able to re continue to uh, receive care even if it's not through the practitioner involved so there should be some sort of communication occurring there yeah, uh, I guess nothing more to add. I totally support what uh, Nella was saying. From a uh, as a registrant point of view, you have a professional accountability to be able to make sure that your patients are well cared for, and if they need to be referred on to another service because your service isn't there, then you should be doing that. Um, uh, it's just not, you know, it's it's um, it's just very straightforward for me that. As an accountable professional, that's what you need to be doing. Yeah. Actually, there's just been a, an interesting comment from Kath about the UK situation where you're supposed to be furloughed, therefore not doing any work to get the payment, if I understand it correctly. So how are you supposed to stay in touch with these patients to keep them informed? Is that an issue, Steve? Um, it's an issue. We've, we've had a couple of calls from, uh, from uh, patients, actually, who's saying, my, my clinic is closed, what do I do? Um, and we have been able to refer those those patients on to um, to other services, but I think um, you know it is about our patients being able to contact the office or the clinic, even though it may be closed, and actually speaking to 
um, someone there and saying, this is an issue for me. Where do you think I, I need to go? Or having voicemails on your clinic um, uh, answer machine to say, if you have got an issue, this is the person or these are the, this is the place you need to go to. It's all about signposting, I think, and uh, just making sure that, um, that no one's left without um, knowing where to go for any treatment. Um, but we've had, a, we've had a number of patients who rang us up saying, my, my normal podiatrist clinic is closed. What do I do? Where do I go? I've got an infected toe, blah, blah, blah. So um, there, is, there is something about how we sign people, signpost people on. Makes sense. That, that uh, sort of answers, I think, a comment fairly early on. I think it was by Adnan Nazir, if memory serves. It was actually suggesting: is it you know should the college hold a list of practices that remain open? Uh, it sounds like you you've got that. You're privy to that kind of information already, Steve. Yeah, we've got we have a list of all of our practitioners, and um, obviously some of them have informed us. Uh, well, actually, a number of them have informed us that they're closed. But we still have a we have a list of people or um, services that we can refer people on to. It may not be the nearest service, but um, at least if they are in desperation, then we we're able to get them to um, somewhere which is within their vicinity. Great. Um, uh, another comment I wanted to bring up, and I think I scribbled it down as it went past my screen. I think it was by Mark, and it was from a slightly different. Uh, perspective it sounded to me like he was an employee and I don't want to put words in his mouth I'm, I'm completely going from memory but let's just paint the picture of an employee who's being who hasn't been furloughed they're being dare we use the word forced to work by their employer yet they're a bit uncomfortable about it uh, I think he from memory said he was immunocompromised himself um, what sort of the concerns here are I'm not comfortable. If this was my own practice, I'd be shutting it down. But because it's not, and my employer is almost telling me I need to come in, I don't want to say no because then I may face disciplinary action. Uh, could could you guys give comment on the kind of support you might give one of your members who found themselves in that position? Steve, I'll ask you first, just because I think from the way Mark worded it, I think he was in the UK. Yeah, um, and um, and we've had a number of calls like this, Ian, um, especially for some of our, our members who are immunosuppressed um, already. I think uh, it's very clear that from an employment relations point of view, um, I have a, a really good employment relations team who have supported our members through this and who've given them the advice that they need to um, so any member out there from the UK who is struggling with an issue like this, we have got the right people and the right services to support them in their employment around this. But but just fundamentally, if people feel that they um, are, you know, know they're immunosuppressed or know that they are working in an area where maybe they don't have the right PPE or that they're not being supported by their line managers, then there is certainly a channel to get support to um, address that. And I would say contact um, my employment relations team and we will do everything we can to support that person through their employment issues. Yeah, look, a similar, again, <laughs> there's so much similarity here. Um, uh, it's a similar situation. We have a, we have a, we have an H, uh, human resources or HR hotline um that uh, are answering a swathe of these sorts of sorts of questions um i do note that in um in fact in the last 24 hours um there's been some um some introductions 
from a, a government perspective, and again, without going into the detail of those, but and they'd certainly be able to be uh, explained by our HR team um, that uh, employers or employees do also have uh, greater rights at the moment from a leave perspective, uh, the ability to take um, unpaid leave uh, in concern if they do, they are either um, contract a virus or uh, or feel threatened as such. Um, there are some some greater leniencies that are being uh, being expressed at the moment. So um, I'd certainly again recommend that our our members contact our HR hotline, um, and uh, certainly in the first instance they may, may contact us, but we would almost invariably refer them to our hotline who have dealt with a number of these sorts of issues over the last few weeks. Yeah. Here's, an, here's an interesting question that Simon's just asked, and I'm sure if you, if, if you haven't had someone ring to ask this question, you're going to get it soon. And Simon's asked, and again, I, I don't actually think there's an answer for this. If a practitioner has had COVID-19 confirmed by a test and they recover, would that enable that practitioner to return to work? Um, well, if they've if if they've had the virus, they've had the test to say they've had the virus, um, and they have self isolated, did everything that's supposed to be done, and clear after fourteen days, then of course that individual can return to work. Yeah, no, I think it comes down to this, this issue that we don't have an answer to yet about the reinfection rate and, and immunity and all those kinds of issues. We're just not there yet to to give that kind of answer. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think if you, t- I think uh, certainly in 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 uh, in the UK, you, you know, we're we're waiting for GPs and nurses and doctors who are currently off with the virus to um, you know get cleared and get back into work again as soon as possible um, because we know there's a large percentage of staff, healthcare staff, who are um, isolating at the minute because oh, of the yeah. virus. Um, and you know, until we get these people back, our numbers will still suffer. So it's it's, uh, it's of important. course, and, and of course, the hope is that they are immune to future infections, and then they hopefully play a big role going down the track. But we just don't know yet. Yeah, absolutely, we don't know. But hopefully, their immunities um, and the immune system will have improved greatly, so mm-hmm. that they are able to fight off the infection if it came again. But um, but as you say, Craig, it's really very early days yet. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought, Craig, that if we take the, log, the, lo- the logical, sorry, Ian, I, th- I thought if we take the logical extension sorry, that, LA, that, LA, if, you go. that if ultimately, if everybody uh, becomes infected at some stage, um, is the suggestion that nobody returns to work? Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention a comment, lovely comment that's just coming from. Osama, who says, I guess we need to recognise we're in, in challenging times. It's new for everyone, including the, the, the professional bodies and the CEOs. Thanks ought to be passed as on as opposed to frustration. As everyone's in the same boat, we need to pull together. And this is what we're seeing here. What we're seeing here is population-wide responses to, uh, anxiety, you know, to, to the unknown. It's essentially a form of anxiety or grief that we all deal with differently. Some people... Uh, try and see the positive and the opportunity. Other people prefer to go online and be a bit of a dickhead. Um, it depends where you sit on that spectrum, doesn't it? And um, 
if we we've already talked a bit about you know some of the potential let's talk, try and try and be positive I, I put myself hopefully in the former camp there and and let's talk about what what this may it, it might be too soon to think positively it might be too soon to look forward and say you know what good might come from this we've already talked about the introduction of telehealth or remote consultations and I know I see lots of people looking to sort of pivot their businesses in that way and probably that will remain uh, we won't go into that in too much depth because we did an episode on that a couple of days ago um, but have you guys had time to probably haven't have you had time to sit down take stock have a think about the way things may change, not just for us guys, but for you guys as well. What opportunities may come from this? What does podiatry look like to you guys in the future? Perhaps the, the way it looks in 10 years, if I'd have asked you this question before Christmas, I'd have got a different answer to, the, to, to asking it to you present day. Um, Nello, I'll let you go first. Mm. Um, look, I think, I, I, I don't think it just applies to podiatry in this instance. Um, and I think, you know, if we look at it from an association perspective, yeah, absolutely, we're looking at, um, you know, opportunities to do things differently, to uh, to review some of our practices uh, and, you know, again, manage manage risk. I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, there are going to be opportunities come from this from a podiatry perspective. Quite clearly, uh, I think a number of the initiatives that have been moved on that, as I said earlier, would ordinarily take years to achieve um, are being achieved in a very short amount of time. I think one of the things that from our perspective and from a profession perspective is concerned is the importance during this time to look at uh, determining whether we can do some genuine evaluation on some of the activities that are occurring. Um, so if I use telehealth as an example, I think from a, uh, I mean, look, the, the, the way the government has been speaking to date it's been these are temporary measures the reality is that i suppose we're looking at them as as the thin edge of the wedge um, so the likelihood that that we will get some continuation of the sorts of practices and opportunities that exist in the current climate that may be able to ex be extended beyond that i think from an association perspective um, and a profession perspective one of the um, one of the really important components is how do we evaluate this? How do we continue to demonstrate its worth as opposed to what's occurred at the moment is that we're relying on evidence from a range of different sources, not just podiatry. Uh, in fact, I'd argue that the evidence from a telehealth uh, and podiatry perspective is actually quite light on. Um, so we're relying on evidence from other other manual therapies to, to support um, the... Um, also from other allied health, I should say, to risk to support the um, the the case for for uh, um, initiatives such as telehealth. So, um, I think over the next six months, at the very least, one of the things that we probably need to be looking more closely at is is how do we um, evaluate some of these changes? How do we make sure that we try to preserve them? How do we make sure that we try to continue them in the future so that they are part of the the toolkit um, that podiatrists have got to access. And from uh, from me, I think first of all, thank you to Osama for um, being positive about uh, about the um, the feedback that we're getting and for the support. Thank you for that, Osama. I'm glad you're um, listening in tonight. Um, you know, the world will change. The world's going to change 
now because of this. We're going to all think differently. We're all going to work differently. Um, and I think in another six months, as you said, Ian, if you'd have asked us this before Christmas, the answer would be very different. Um, I think we're all going to be working very differently, both in the way that we communicate with each other, the way that we support each other, but also, you know, from my point of view, I think multidisciplinary teams and other professionals will all understand each other a lot more because of what we're currently doing and how we're working together. It's amazing how it takes something like a, the most horrible virus to bring people together to actually think this. Um, I guess another positive thing, and I hope uh, Nella will smile at this, is that, you know, we have the, um, our uh, global podiatry network, and it's quite interesting. I was smiling earlier when Nella was saying about how, what the similarities are between his organization and my organization. I was thinking maybe we should just join up Nello and um, I, could come, I could come and live in Australia for um, six months a year when it's sunny and then, um, and then come back here in the summertime. But, but I think, you know, Global Podiatry Network, um, we, we will, because we've all gone through this, because we have um, – had to learn a great deal about what it's like in this pandemic. We will have learned a lot, and um, I hope it will bring our organisations closer together. Just just to interrupt with something not quite as relevant, I've just got a news alert on my phone. There are now one million cases in the world. <laughs> just just came up. So another milestone. Yeah, absolutely. Scary. Yeah, I mean, this is the key thing, the word global you know you put in front of the word pandemic this isn't something that that one of us is going through it's things that we're all going through and like you say these numbers are terrifying uh, each country dealing with its own things and on slightly different timelines i know but the numbers are terrifying the the stories we're getting the, the more personal individual stories the ones that really hurt me are, are story in the UK a couple of days ago about a, thir- a healthy 13 year old uh, boy who, who passed away from it and what really hurt me as a father of two boys is died alone. Parents weren't even allowed in the room. And and I see people in the comments still talking about foot health practitioners and worried about them stealing their toenail cutting business. And I just think to myself, just please leave our podcast right now and get a grip. This is, this is so much bigger than than that. Um, Let's change the subject before I call people out individually, because it's just utterly ridiculous. And it's, it's, (laughs) Uh, winding me up Craig any questions that we need to ask uh, specifically there's no, just well, so there, many and there's, I there's, to... a, there's a sort of a comment question and, and that uh, just just literally just came in now about the, um, the the daily emails that the college is sending out obviously um, Nello sending out regular emails and there's updates on the website I, Steve I do check your college site the public session for your the press releases whatever you're putting out so you can keep in touch with what's there um, but the question was, do you think that can be improved? Or the question was really like a daily live video or something that would be useful to members to show members of the college what is, what's being done, like a daily briefing. Um, I mean, my personal view is I'd rather you got on with the job than spend too much time telling everyone what you're doing. <laughs> but it's sort of, yeah, it's obviously an issue that, that, you know, can the communication be upped or does it need to be upped or... Well, um, from my point of view, I think what we're currently doing is uh, is really good. We are taking up a lot of our daily um, hours getting all of this together. And, you know, uh, the, my comms team are doing a brilliant job at trying to decipher, as we said earlier, and pull it together in a way which meets our members' needs. But if there are things that 
I'm, you know, I'm not going to go down the route of doing a video every day or, or anything like that because that's just taking us away from the day job. But if there are specific things that our members feel that we're not covering or that they would like, then just drop me an email and we'll try our best to do it. Um, mm. uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's always that whole thing, isn't it? You know, the more you give, the more you are expected to give. And I just, um, I've got to get the balance right between doing the day job and um, meeting with, you know, all, trying to get everything done from a government point of view, et cetera, managing a big team, but also trying to get our members um, as much information as possible. But if there are specific things that you think we could do better, then yeah. let me know and we'll, uh, we'll take them on board. Yeah. Actually, I know from what I, one thing I've picked up on social media is that, especially in the Australian context, is that there's a few things different going on with telehealth reimbursements and Medicare payments and people making comments that are like demanding to know what the association are doing about this. You know, from my perspective, they'd have to be pretty stupid to think that the association wasn't actually doing that anyway and working very hard on it. Um, I just really want to respond to that, Nello, because it's just sort of how much time yeah. do you spend spend telling them what you're yeah. doing versus actually getting on and doing it. Um, Cause yeah. obviously a lot is going on behind the scenes, but you don't have all day, every day to tell people what you're doing. Yeah. And I think, I suppose the exercise is really, I, I sort of touched on it earlier. Um, Craig is, is trying to present people with facts. It's trying to present people with what the real knowns are and the information that they need to know. Um, I mean, if it provides comfort, to them to tell them that we are you know in a meeting because we're in lots of meetings um then we'd be providing emails on a, an hourly basis so i think you know to go touch also on steve's point is um yeah look I, as much as i appreciate the you know the importance of providing a uh, messages in a con in a in a variety of mediums um you know, it probably takes me, you know, again, it probably takes to, to put a video together. You know, again, it's pretty pretty lowbrow sort of stuff. But in real terms, it does take time to do. It probably takes about three or four takes. It's uh, it's it's effort that at the moment I think um, uh, we need to be directing elsewhere. And as I say, I, I think it's about we've, we've provided probably more information and we've made a point in the past and I probably at this point should give a, a real... A shout out to my my team, not just my whole team, but in particular my marketing team, who have really um, the the communication is absolutely ramped up. We would ordinarily, in a normal week, we would be lucky to send two pieces of communication because we're concerned about bombarding members. Um, we're getting we're getting flooded with information on a normal basis. That's that's increased probably tenfold. Um, over the space of the last three weeks. So we're really trying to, to manage that and stick to what is is critical for, for members to know as opposed to trying to drive every move that we're making. You know, and I see great examples to like to use your example, Craig, um, you know, private health. Absolutely, we're in, in discussion with private health, but I think there's a perception that, um, you know, we're going to have every nitty gritty conversation described when in actual fact, we're having very fruitful conversations with uh, Private Healthcare Australia. Um, we again, we alerted members when we did, we did have that engagement because there is a, and bearing in mind that these organisations are also dealing with every other, other um, health organisation, professional organisation, 
wanting to get the same answers. So there is a degree of, um, again, if we look at it from a half glass full perspective, um, there's been an enormous amount uh, delivered and achieved and changed over the last two or three weeks. Um, uh, we are genuinely, and I, I'm no doubt the same for Steve, but we are genuinely working as quickly as we can and we are trying to hit all those all those pressure points that we know that members are concerned about. But um, there's got to be a degree of trust as well that we are working on their behalf, that we are, that they are our prime responsibility. That's what we're here for. We, you know, the, the, um, uh, the members are, are our lifeblood and we need to make sure that we continue to, to support them. Um, but we can only do that there is a limit to what we can provide and we are certainly providing everything we can. Yep. A couple of other positives. Let's keep it positive. Um, Diana, Diana Palin, to be honest, I'm enjoying the challenge of trying to do things differently and the lateral thinking that's required at the moment, unfortunate circumstance, but universally it will bring change, better sense of community evolution in the way we're able to help people, which I think is a lovely comment. And off the back of that, Wendy asked a question, um, it's a UK based question because Wendy, from what I can see, is in the UK. Do you think insurance companies in the UK, uh, although I guess it's probably the same in Australia, will appreciate what we do as podiatrists after this and raise the amount patients can claim? Um, <laughs> so I guess there's a, there's a wider question there, which is, do you think the, the, the perception of, of podiatrists value, um, not just with insurance companies, with the population will, 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 will raise? Is that another positive that might come out of this? Um, what do you think, Steve? Uh, absolutely. And uh, it goes back to my discussions earlier about people not really understanding what podiatrists do and can do. And I think the more that we demonstrate over th this period, both with our colleagues in, in the uh, healthcare profession, but also with the general public really understanding what um, a podiatrist has been able to do to help their loved one get better or improve their health or whatever it may be, then there is a much better understanding of what podiatrists um, are all about. And it, that fits into the work that, you know, we're trying to do to make sure we get more people into the profession moving forward. You know, we need the general public to really understand what a podiatrist can do. Look at the wonderful different, the, the wonderful um, areas that people can work in, like sports, like uh, forensics, like MSK, like surgery, all of those sort of things. And we need to promote that to get more people into this profession. But I think this virus and everything attached to it will um, allow more people to understand what podiatry is all about. And hopefully that will get more people into the profession because we know our workforce is a big issue for us right now. Yeah. It also fits in with a comment. I think it was Aaron Bryce might've made it earlier. I'm sorry if it wasn't, if it wasn't you, Aaron, but it was, uh, it's also an opportunity to raise awareness about our infection control standards in contrast to like beauty therapists who have been closed down at the moment. So, you know, that, well, I know, I know in, in my wife's clinic, you know, we're, we're telling patients before they come in what, what extra work we're putting in to protect them. That can only have a positive spin off in the long term that they, they realize the standards that we have. Absolutely. I, I think, um, look, I, I'm not sure I'd necessarily suggest that podiatry will necessarily gain a, a greater profile through this, although by the mere fact that it is one of the few services that it continues in the context of Australia that continues to be open. But I think your point's absolutely pertinent, Craig, is that breadth of um, skill, 
knowledge um, practice that podiatrists engage in um, and infection control is a great example I think in in these uncertain term, times I think uh, yeah that's probably it, it presents a point of difference to a whole lot of other particularly allied health professions um, that, uh, that that probably sets it apart from um, from the others yeah my, my only negative on that and I, I it's probably my own personal sort of ethics of views is I, I just feel quite reluctant to take advantage of the situation you know like to me is let's wait till it's over and push things like I yeah. you know you just sort of I just feel a little uncomfortable um, and again it's the, the issue of telehealth I see people starting to promote it interstate stuff like that I, I, I feel very uncomfortable and awkward uh, personally do, doing that yeah I, I suppose from my from my view of that would be that no now is not the time to um, profiteer from that is my view uh, I think we've con- got to continue to present ourselves as an ethical professional um, uh, pr- uh, profession the the I think it will have its uh, its benefit beyond this. Um, I think ultimately they, they will be the sorts of things that, um, the sorts of characteristics that the, uh, the public will look to. Um, they will look to safety. They will look to uh, standards that um, currently, um, well, they're probably not as acutely aware of or... or um, focused on at this point so I suspect that that will be the opportunity going forward Um, nice comment from Samantha here just saying she finds the uh, UK finds the daily emails really helpful means that she doesn't feel quite so alone in this challenging difficult time and she also says it's her first visit to our podcast Craig so she thanks the college for emailing the, the link in one of the emails so um i think there's a few people you know we've got we've had so many people online compared to what we normally do i think a lot of people it's their first time so we would say to them there's 70 hours of completely free cpd here to go back through the archives (laughs) we've been doing this for a couple of years we've been going for a couple of years where have they been (laughs) well this is it and you know this is the thing at the first year we we did one a week one, one a week for the whole first year. Then we, we felt overworked, so we, we reduced to one a month. But actually, because we know that people are at home and they've got more time and, and uh, you know, we just wanted to sort of put some content out there. This is our fourth. Do you know, Craig, this is our fourth in one week. So this know, is a new yeah. record for us. Four <laughs> yeah. in one week is a I new know. record. And we've got a couple um, of exciting ones. So we're going to try and too. get these things out. Um, we have, yeah, we're going to try and get these things out a bit more regularly um, so that you can use this time, like we say, to improve your business, improve yourself, you know, try and try and be a bit more positive about this and decide, okay, if I'm not currently working to the top of my license, uh, this is my opportunity to make sure that whatever, you know, whenever the world stops being on fire, uh, I don't just pick up where I left off, but perhaps a better a better version of me, you know, takes over, so to speak. Um, Craig, how are we doing for time? Yeah, You're look, way past the hour. I see Simon already commented on it. Yeah. Um, no, look, the, 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 the hour, we can you? we can keep going. No, Steve, the the issue with the time is that when any over an hour, we have the podcast version has to go into a part one and a part two. And people don't listen to a part two. So we do try to stop these at an hour or just under an hour so we can keep it to one. But I, I think this is such an important topic. We can keep going for a little bit longer if you guys are happy to stay there. 
But I think one one question one we have discussed this a bit previously. Um, are, are any members ringing up um, financial issues, asking about deferring membership fees, those kinds of issues, um, or are people not ringing up about that yet, or anything happening in that space? Um, I'm happy to go first. Uh, um, last week, uh, the college took it on board that, you know, we realized that a lot of our members were going to be struggling financially. Um, and we have agreed via count for our, our council that we will have a, um, a fee break of um, two months. So a holiday for um, two months for those people who pay over a, a direct debit. Um, and that's, we've had um, well over 500 people, I understand, who have applied for that so far. So it does show that um, our members are thinking about their finances. And um, I hope that by doing that, and we will review it and continue to review it, that um, it goes some way to help our members financially at this stage. Good, yeah. yeah, from our perspective, Craig, I mean, certainly uh, we've had, we've certainly had some members contact us uh, and we've obviously been um, extremely sympathetic to those sorts of situations and we take them on a case-by-case basis. I think the way we're approaching it at this point, given we're so close to the end of the um, uh, end of the, the membership year, um, that we've got some announcements we'll be, we may, we'll be making over the next few weeks um, with regard to... Uh, our membership uh, and our insurance offering uh, and what members uh, look quite frankly I, I again without going into the detail because I, I don't want to release it until we've got it absolutely confirmed but uh, uh, we will make sure that members are looked after um, there will be enormous savings we recognize that members a lot of members are hurting um, and a lot of members are, are going without. Um, we want to try and obviously we want people to continue with their membership. Uh, we'll be making absolutely uh, every effort um, and I think members will appreciate the effort and the offer um, to make sure that members um, do continue to be part of the association. And, and perhaps the only thing to add to that is that um, I suppose these times are those that, um, we would also like to think that members genuinely recognise the value of an association. Um, I mean, again, without sounding too too opportunistic, but um, I just think that you know the, these are the times that uh, that um, practitioners really should see the worth in their um, in their association. Um, I think it will change things um, ongoing. I think the expectations have been lifted, but um, I, I'd like to think, and I'm sure it's the same for Steve, is that I'd like to think that we've demonstrated to to everybody that there is the value in an association at this time, that particularly in our case, given we've only recently nationalised, um, I would hate to think what the circumstances might have been if we had... Uh, six or seven different associations trying to coordinate this at one time. We as a national organisation now have been much, much better equipped to deliver the sorts of outcomes that um, that members would expect from their association. And I, I doubt that would have been achieved in under an older, uh, more archaic structure. 
Perfect. I don't see anything else that's come through with any kind of urgency. I'm certain we've missed lots of questions, so I do apologise. But like I say, we're just not used to having so many people watch. We, we, the, uh, the fame's <laughs> clearly got to us because even Craig's let us go beyond the hour. So I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm surprised he's done that. Um, let's yeah. just... Yeah. No, that, that's a good note. I think, we, I, again, I'll shout out to both Emma and Matthew who have been answering a lot of questions as we go through so that we haven't needed to repeat. So some of them are quite, um, you know, we, at least we can focus on some of the big picture issues in our discussions and some of the more detailed questions that Emma and Matthew have been, been answering. So th- thanks for that, guys. So that is probably a good, good, good note to finish. It's an hour and a half. So, you know, thanks so much, Nello. Thanks so much, Perfect. Steve. Um, we have had people join late. If, if you Thank come you, gentlemen. Back, if you come back in about 10, 15 minutes, Facebook will render the video and the whole video will be here. It will be up on YouTube. Um, in a few hours i just got to edit a few things um before and after so look so thanks nello and thanks steve it's been well worth it um hi denise you've just joined a little bit late but come back in 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> okay so um, really um delighted to have been um, part of this this evening and uh, from a college of podiatry point of view here in the uk really happy in any way moving forward to continue these um if it's not me certainly one of my my team would be willing to step in uh but really happy to help certainly over this period around the virus and everything else really happy to do whatever we can to support our members across the globe and and help in any way so please just um, keep in touch with us yeah yeah likewise craig i mean you know again we we certainly encourage uh you know our thoughts are certainly with our our UK uh, colleagues um, who are going through potentially a tougher time than we are at the moment. We, we respect that. Um, I think that um, uh, we encourage members to contact us via a range of ways. And quite honestly, you touched on it earlier, we're likewise happy to hear criticism, um, you know, but we want to make sure we're, we're able to engage in the, the conversation and provide a, a perspective of sometimes why things occur the way they do uh, rather than it just being um, a simple uh, binary binary uh, uh, issue. So um, our thoughts are with everybody. Uh, please uh, stay safe and you know, we, we'll happily be involved in whatever we can be in the future to help uh, dispel the myths and to support people through what is clearly a difficult time. Thank, Thank you, you too. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Very much.